Greetings fellow claim professionals. This is Kevin Quinley with the weekly installment of the Claims Coach podcast. This is the podcast that delivers tips, tools, and techniques to help great claim and risk professionals get even better at managing their claims, their time, their resources, and their careers. This week's topic is the importance of claims professionals being multilingual. Does that mean you need to know Spanish? Does it mean that you need to study Mandarin? Does it mean that you need to sign up for a Rosetta Stone course to study a foreign language? No. The point here is that maybe the most important trait of an effective claim professional is being communication savvy. Nothing happens until an adjuster, and I'm going to use the term in a generic sense, communicates with other people and is effective in receiving and picking up on communications from others. Now, communication is a two-way street. It includes not just the skills of talking and writing. That's what we think of. Those are vitally important. Claims people have to have fluency in expressing themselves orally and in writing. But highly effective claim professionals not only hear, they listen. We might say they're all ears. Although irate insureds, claimants, and attorneys might use a different anatomical metaphor. In any event, the ability to be on the same communication wavelength with other key people can be a career enhancer if you're a claims person or a career killer. A lot of times, job longevity in claims is cut short, not by competence issues, but by communication issues. For example, one career handicap of some claims people is an unwillingness to learn to speak the language of their boss and the language of the greater enterprise. What do I mean by this, the language of the boss? He or she still speaks English. But look, If your boss is a financial type, as many bosses are, you've got to be able to talk in terms of loss ratios and financial ratings and understand the impact that the claims unit has on those two yardsticks. If the boss has a marketing background, market share is important, but IBNR may seem like a foreign term. Another problem, some claim professionals' communication has the tendency of insisting on speaking what I call insurance ease, spouting claims jargon. Have you had your IME? I need you to submit to an EUO. Oh, are you calling about your PPD award? Or you need to subrow against the other carrier. Look, I get it. Adjusters talk to each other like this. You talk this way to a member of the the public, though, and they won't be able to readily translate. They don't know what you're talking about. They're going to feel put off and figure they need English subtitles, just like on foreign films. Just because we talk to each other like this within the claim's tent doesn't mean it's good practice to talk like this to claimants and insurers. Now, I'm not picking on 
claims, in fairness, every profession has its own lingo and jargon. Claims is no exception. Lawyers speak in legalese. Doctors use baffling medical terminology. For most of my life, I've lived in the Washington, D.C. area with a huge population of military and government workers. They have their own acronyms, their own language. Computer and IT people often talk and text speak to the point where I think I need an English translator. They have a bewildering array of acronyms. Each set of jargon marks you as an insider to a certain group. Now, the claims profession may not be quite as bad as some of these niches that I've talked about, but nevertheless, it's got its own its own vocabulary. And as a result, claims people have to tread carefully and consider the audience. It's one thing to throw around such lingo when you're talking to a coworker or another claim supervisor at XYZ Insurance Company. It's quite another thing to use adjuster speak to upper management. You know, I've never heard of a CEO of a company patting adjuster on the back for taking a thorough signed statement. But a lot of claim professionals have seen their careers flounder on the rocks because they couldn't explain basic concepts to frontline and middle managers, or for that matter, top management, in a language that top management could understand and to which they could relate. So I think one moral and takeaway is this. Maybe a lot of claim professionals might get more benefit from enrolling in Toastmasters or Dale Carnegie rather than embarking on a CPCU designation. And hey, look, I'm all for the CPCU designation. And these are not either-or options. You can do both. Or maybe instead of hitting that textbook, read and reread and apply Daniel Goleman's excellent book, Emotional Intelligence. Better still, do both, since the best communication skill is really meaningless if you don't have the technical expertise to know what to say. But the point is just having technical expertise without the ability to translate it to a layperson outside of claims marks you as useless as well. I think there was a movie, Philadelphia, with Denzel Washington, where he said, Explain it to me as if I was a second grader. Not a bad litmus test, so don't get me wrong here. I'm a big believer in continuing education. I'm a big believer in CPCU to the point where some co-workers have teased me that I've got more degrees than a thermometer. But to the uninitiated, a host of continuing education designations on the business card <clears throat> looks like so much alphabet soup. People outside of insurance scratch their heads. They don't have the foggiest idea as to the difference between a CPCU and a CPU on a computer. Some may think that an ARM refers to an adjustable rate mortgage. Does having an AIC designation mean that the adjuster will return the policyholder's phone calls? That's all they care about. They don't care about the designation. Does it mean being able to write clear, complete sentences 
and a report that a client can understand. So I'm not suggesting that claims people not know their stuff or that they don't have a command and continually work to have a command of the technical knowledge that makes claims adjusting feasible. There just has to be a seamless competence in the technical areas, but you shouldn't expect too much recognition for accomplishments there. Now, good companies will recognize, praise, and encourage adjusters to pursue continuing education. That, that could include incentive bonuses for completing courses, offering promotional opportunities, uh, reasonable flexibility and time off for studying exams, and a culture that genuinely supports continuing claims education. But the takeaway here is balance that technical education with a focus as well on communication skills to translate insurance concepts which have become second nature to us as claims people into understandable ideas that members of the public, that consumers, that the people that we work with day in, day out understand. Hey, if you like the content here, please subscribe to the Claims Coach podcast on iTunes and leave a review. For more information on my menu of services, please visit me on the web at www.claimscoach.com. Connect with me on Twitter at Claims Coach. Claims Coach is one word. Connect with me through LinkedIn. And Quinley Risk Associates is also on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and be sure to check back for future claims and risk management topics from Quinley Risk Associates.